the hindrance of individual voices only hinders the whole group. That hindrance of people to be themselves, speak truly, and those type of laws that are in place right now are inhibiting our ability to grow as a society. Our community is resilient. And we're just bending right now, finding resilience in our authentic selves and strengthen our allies will get us through this. Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleats. Today, we're here to talk about Pride Month, its history, and how it has become a joyful celebration of all the beautiful identities within the LGBTQ community. We'll also discuss how societal whims are rapidly shifting, bringing with it challenges threatening the basic human rights of this wonderful collection of people. Joining me for today's conversation are the two co-leads of the KP Pride Business Resource Group. I'm delighted to have Theopolis Little, Director of Facility Engineering, back to Live Well and Thrive. Welcome back, Theopolis. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are also joined by Dr. Marcos Siqueiros, adult and family medicine physician and leader, transgender healthcare services at Santa Clara Medical Center. Welcome, Marcos. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here to talk about today's topic. Let's get started with a little bit of historical perspective for our listeners. Theopolis, can you tell us about Pride Month's history and what it's grown to mean to our LGBTQ plus community? Pride really started in New York with the Stonewall riots. It started with a police raid at a Stonewall Inn, which is a popular gay club in New York City. And it was basically our LGBTQ plus community fighting back against the police and police brutality in New York. And that was in 1969. Mm -hmm. And since then, in 1970, every year in many cities across the United States and across the world, we've seen pride being celebrated and recognized for the LGBTQ plus rights movement and really opportunity to foster unity, diversity, inclusion for our community, as well as a reminder of where we came from and the riots and the police brutality that started this. Yeah. Wow. It's 50 years. Yeah. And I just like to interject activism around LGBTQ plus populations have been going on for decades in the United States prior to Pride Month. Mm -hmm. And actually in 1924, the Society of Human Rights, which was founded in Chicago, was actually that first group to campaign for gay rights. And throughout history, there has been activism and protest that we all need to be aware of, including in 1959, there was the first documented LGBTQ plus uprising in Los Angeles, of all places. And then here in San Francisco, three years before the Stonewall riots, um, the Compton's cafeteria riots in 1966. This really speaks to the arc of history in the sense that activism and protesting and trying to improve the rights and well-being of this community have been going on for quite some time. Marcus, thank you so much. All of us read through history and the challenges of our LGBTQ plus community have been going on for centuries. So thank you for taking us back a little bit. Marcos, I'd love to hear your background. And then how did you get involved with transgender patients? And how did you become involved with the Pride BRG? You know, my history is that I actually came of age with respect to my identity in the 1980s. And back then, really, we were discouraged from living our authentic selves. It was looked at as a defect 
there was moral issues around it or was there behavioral psychological problems. And really, we all were expected to be quiet, be shameful, right? Do not disrespect our families by mentioning that we are part of queer LGBTQ plus communities. And so we would really try to hide it and pass as straight in as many ways that we could. And I think that how I came into the transgender work that I do was really a story that was based out of that initial fear. And it was at that time that a homeless transgender woman of color restored my hope and confidence in my abilities by expressing to me how she and her community needed physicians like myself to help care for people in her community, the most vulnerable, the most disadvantaged folks in our society. And at that time, it was like a light bulb that went off, snapped me out of my pity party (laughs) and gave me really a hope, right, to move on and finish training and to live authentically. And by doing so, I would be successful. From that, I've chose to continue to work to break down barriers and provide medically necessary care for trans and gender diverse people. And I've actually been doing that since I started practice in in the late 90s. First of all, Thank you for sharing your story. And I can't imagine the amount of stress that not being able to live your authentic self must have caused for you. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. I'm so thankful for the patient that you were able to connect with. And I wonder if she'll ever know the impact that she's had on just the hundreds and thousands of people that you've touched since then. Yeah. And her belief changed everything for me. So how did you get involved with the Pride BRG? Where did that start for you? I was going to say, did Theopolis roll you in here? (laughs) he, He did the reaching out and he made a phone call and we talked and he asked if I would join him and the Pride BRG for Northern California. And at that point, I raised my hand and said, absolutely, yes. How can I get involved? Because the BRGs promote healthcare that embrace equity among all of the LGBTQ plus community for all gender and sexual identities. All about inclusion. I love it. Theopolis, tell us about your story, if you wouldn't mind sharing. So I think it's important to start from my background as a military person. Both of my parents were in the military and they were both nurses, actually. That's where my spark for healthcare first started was with my parents. And then as I was growing up, understanding healthcare, not only as a black person, but also as a queer person, inclusion for us is important. When I first joined the military, I thought that while I really cared about healthcare, everything else about me needed to be hidden and that it really wasn't important and it wasn't something that really made an impact to my work in healthcare. But it wasn't until I was deployed in Kuwait and we had teams across the Middle East when I realized that bringing my true self was the only way I could be a really true leader. And it really impacted my ability to care for others. Mm. When I transitioned out of the military and joined Kaiser, that's where I also started to raise my voice. And that's why I wanted to get involved with KP Pride BRG. And I understood how presence and representation and having people who looked like me, but also had backgrounds similar to me, was important. And my ability to talk to and get to know people and them get to know me helped us to grow as a society, as a group, as an organization. And that's the only way forward. And so that's what brought me here. Thank you for sharing your story. We always talk on the podcast about you always have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can put it on others. Mm-hmm. And I think both you and Marcos come across as the same kind of similar story, which is you couldn't be fully present for others if you're not living your true authentic self. Yeah. 
So let's stay on this a little bit. In what ways have you witnessed KP demonstrating its commitment to LGBTQ plus employees and members? And then what has it meant to you and what do you think it's meant to our team members? Well, I think an important story is when I first volunteered at my first Pride Parade, I met the late Bernard Tyson, our former CEO for Kaiser Permanente at that parade. And that was a perfect symbol for me that I, one, joined the right organization, but also the importance of leadership presence and walking the talk and being there. Mm. Not only was he extremely kind to me, talked to me, talked to many people, but also he was front row on the float, being a leader and being a presence. And that was something I'd never seen before. And also was really a way for me to say, okay, I'm okay. This is great. This is not a hidden little secret group. This is an opportunity for us to grow and thrive and bring our true selves. So that's an example that Kaiser has been and it continues to be forefront of this kind of conversation, especially doing things just like this, being on podcasts, having discussions, being able to pull groups together and look at opportunities to train not only our employees, but train and be a presence in our community as well. And you mentioned Thrive in there. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Marcos, what would you say? One of the salient things I really embrace about our organization, Kaiser Permanente, is the mission. Foster this culture of inclusion and acceptance by promoting equity and elevating all people, not only our employees, our members, but also the communities that we serve in and really including efforts to reach out to the transgender and gender diverse community with an amazing array of services and programs under the rubric of a gender-affirming care. And I think there were some changes recent with KP Health Connect. Yes, there's been a lot of amazing work that has been done with respect to the delivery of care. There are an enormous amount of barriers to care for the LGBTQ plus community. And what is wonderful about services that we're providing at Kaiser are ways to reduce the barriers of care. And one One of those is self-identification, allowing our members, our patients to self-identify on their personal information forms on HealthConnect and to allow that information to be fed into the electronic medical records so that we have an idea of who our patients are and how to best care for them by having that identification. Yeah, it's really amazing what seemingly is a small technical change can have such a profound impact on how we're providing a true provider-patient relationship Mm -hmm. that's meaningful and authentic and it's just deeply personalized. So I love it. Theophilus, how can Kaiser Permanente members or team members get more involved with the Pride BRG, but also supporting the LGBTQ plus community? I think we have a parade coming up soon. You want to tell us about it? Yes. June 25th, this Sunday, we have our Pride Parade. And I'm very proud that Kaiser is a premier sponsor for the Pride Parade this year. And our employees can all sign up to volunteer. You can be a marcher, you can be a safety monitor, and there's many ways that you can participate. And we encourage everyone, their family members, their employees to join us on Sunday and be that leader who's out there 
smiling and creating a safe space for our employees and also just having fun. It's going to be a really fun event and I'm excited about it. Great. Dr. Marcos, are you going to be there? Absolutely. I'm going to be there. And also (laughs) two days prior to that on Friday, there is the Trans March that is also being celebrated as well. Kaiser is a sponsor of the San Francisco Transgender March, and that'll be Friday afternoon. Hope everyone can join us for that as well. Awesome. So get your walking shoes on and join us for the Pride Parade and the Transgender Parade. Yes, and bring on your internal rainbow. Absolutely. And I will (laughs) see you guys there. I'm very excited. That's awesome. (laughs) So now let's turn to current events. What are some of the ongoing challenges faced by the LGBTQ plus community? And how can, from your perspective, organizations like Kaiser Permanente help tackle them? Dr. Marcos, you want to go first? Yeah, a lot has been happening in our society, and there are some serious headwinds that the community is facing right now. Currently, across the country, there are federal laws that are on the books. There's legislation that, as it stands, there's well over 400 anti-LGBTQ plus bills that have been introduced just from the beginning of this year alone. So some very big headwinds that we're facing. But the one thing that I'll say about our community is that we are resilient. We're just bending right now. We're bending. And I think finding resilience in our authentic selves and strengthen our allies will get us through this. Thank you, Mark. It's always good to be optimistic. Theopolis, what would you say? I definitely think it's important to be optimistic as an individual, but it's also important to be aware of what's going on. And there's many laws that are going on right now that can reverse things that are freedoms for our LGBTQ plus community. For example, there's things that can take away individuals' abilities to adopt. It can take away people's ability to practice their own religion. It can be taking away people's abilities to be in certain spaces. Growing up, my family sent me to a gay conversion camp. My parents forced me to go to conversion camp. And that really created this idea for myself that who I am was wrong and what I thought or anything was wrong, that hindrance of people to be themselves, speak truly, and those type of laws that are in place right now are inhibiting our ability to grow as a society. That is how an employee or a member or a child or a student or a teacher can feel like they can't bring their new invention forward or run for election or bring something forward that might be really helpful to our entire society. I like to say that high tide raises all ships and you don't have to be part of the LGBT community to help lift others' voices, but also understanding that without the LGBT community, that impacts you as well. The hindrance of individual voices only hinders the whole group. Can't we just all get along? (laughs) Our goal is having people live their true authentic selves and love one another, right? So it seems like the perfect time to talk about the concept of allyship. So we did an entire episode on this during Black History Month earlier this year, and it just seems very relevant to the conversation. How can the listeners of this podcast and those throughout Kaiser Permanente be better allies for the LGBTQ plus community during Pride Month, but through the entire year? Marcos, what would you say? 
I'll say this, allyship is probably one of the most fundamental and important concepts in gender-affirming care and LGBTQ plus care and being a good human. So I love allyship for folks that want to understand what allyship is. It is those very deliberate and intentional actions that a person takes to support a minority or a marginalized group. So what are ways that we can do that? For example, with a gender diverse community, introduce yourself with your pronouns. It shows that we're there for them. It's showing that they're in a safe space. Always use correct names and pronouns in communications, regardless of whether it's verbal or written. Don't make assumptions about people's gender and sexual identity when you don't know them. I don't know a person's gender identity based on their appearance, how a person dresses or acts. And so we should come to the table with some respectful curiosity about that. I think it's also really important to model inclusive behavior and really shut down offensive jokes or language, even when people are not around. Again, it shows us that we're there to support them. And we value the folks in this community, even when they're not in our presence. Those are some pretty good ways of supporting the community. We carry bias with us and we carry bias in terms of our language, our assumptions and coming to the table with those biases that we think might be polite, like using Mr. or Mrs. or ma'am. If you don't know the person for sure, be careful, right? That's gendered language that could be offensive to someone. So being really supportive and inclusive and respectful of everyone at all times, I think that's something that we all should strive to work for. Thank you. Theopolis, what would you add? I think another important thing is you don't have to be part of the community. Anyone can read and research and learn more on their own and have respectful conversations with individuals and learn from each other as a community. Other things that you can do to help create a safe space is putting a pride flag in your office, having a background in your team's meetings or attending the pride parade. Or let's say you're not comfortable having that direct conversation with someone saying, hey, that's not right. Maybe grabbing their supervisor, letting their supervisor know. Maybe afterwards talking to that person saying, hey, how are you doing? I saw something happened earlier that looked a little uncomfortable. I just want to check in on you. And that for me, makes a world of a difference. Yeah, speak up culture. And we have great resources also on the KP Pride BRG resources page. So that's another option for people. So in addition to allyship, how can we cultivate a safe and inclusive environment beyond what you might have already said? Anything else you'd add there? I think the only thing that I would say is consider putting your name with your pronouns on your communications. It can be on your email, your Teams, your Zoom. Add your pronouns to that, right? So that folks know that when they come into contact with you, that being in your presence is a safe space. And by doing so, you encourage that sense of equity for everyone. Thank you, Marcos. So I'm not sure everybody has made that direct of a connection to the power of just putting the pronouns beside their signature, Mm -hmm. creating an additional voice for speak up culture and a safe place for people. Guys, this has been absolutely phenomenal. 
I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for speaking your truth and sharing your stories. And this is just one small step, perhaps on that arc towards justice to move the organization to an even more inclusive environment, Kaiser Permanente. So thank you both. I could keep going on this topic for a long time. Yeah. Marcos, it was so nice to meet you. Oh, thank you for the invitation to speak on this. Obviously, it's deeply personal to each and every one of us, but I really appreciate the great conversation. Theopolis, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great conversation. I'm so glad I was able to be here. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank again our two wonderful guests, Dr. Marcos Sequeiros and Theopolis Little for their work and their advocacy on this truly important topic. Thank you for being on Live Well and Thrive. We have included a range of resources in the show notes for this episode for you to learn more and take this conversation further. As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind. Ask a question or suggest a topic or guest. Send it to livewellandthrive at kp.org. And whether you're listening on your commute or during a down moment, keep those comments coming. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen-Pleats, and we'll see you next time.